Welcome back to Hope Wednesday. I am your host, Elisa Flakes. For those of you who do not know, this is a psychoeducation platform where we are integrating mental health and faith. I'm so excited. I'm still excited about this month because this is a very special month. Two things. One, my birthday, you know, and and, and that's a big thing for me. And two, we are providing content that can create life-changing results this month. And we're so excited and so um, motivated to get this word out that we have entered into a challenge that if you are able to and willing to engage with us on each of our um, Hope Wednesdays, and then you're able to share this, then you can be a part of an end of the month drawing for $100 free $100 for just doing what God told us to do, which is share the word and to uh, share with your brothers and sisters. You can be um, a winner. The, the details are in the comment, and we are we are looking forward to expanding our community and sharing this word. The, we share negativity. When something breaks out, a negative video, fighting, we share that. But sometimes we're a little more reluctant to share what's good because we have this negative bias in our mind where our brain focuses on negative. So we have to focus and be intentional about good. So this month, I'm asking you to join us and be intentional on sharing what's good. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for another Hope Wednesday. Thank you for our community. Thank you that this word is going to change hearts, minds, and souls. Thank you, oh God. I ask that you bless the attention span of the people watching and that this word become life and that it builds brings forth a harvest for every obedient listener. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, you guys, we are still breaking up with brokenness. Last week, we talked about in the other video, we talked about awareness, and we talked about the uncomfortableness of really looking at our lives and making an assessment of what's working and what's not working, and not just um, lying to ourselves and pretending that it's working or making it work. So before we go into today's topic in detail, which is ambivalence, because after awareness happens, then there comes ambivalence. And ambivalence is two opinions. You want to change, you don't want to change. So a lot of people in addiction and and, uh, relationships that need to transition, they get stuck here. And to not make a decision is a decision. So although you have those two things going on in your head, should I stay or should I go? Or should I adjust or should I get comfortable? If you're not moving, then you are uh, by default being stuck in the circumstance. So you might wonder, after you become aware and after you assess your faith, your love, you've been to therapy or you've journaled and you thought about it and you realize that, man, this relation, the relationship I have with food, myself, my, um, my career, my finances, my church, uh, my spouse, whatever, it is in trouble and it is broken. And if I cannot repair it, if it's broken beyond repair, and that is another um, element of this because some things are not repairable, like bad eating habits, addiction. You just have to break those. So when I'm talking about breaking up with broken, I'm not talking about fractured. Fractured is what happens to us 
when um, we are in the process of developing and in our marriages and we're in conflict, but when it is broken and you can't fix it by yourself if it has to do with other people. So I want you to be clear about what I mean about broken. It is not working. It is not yielding life. And if you're in a marriage, the person is not as cheating or, you know, there's violence and they refuse to get the help they need and they're so broken that they want to break you. That's what I mean when I'm talking about broken. I'm talking about like not fractured, not the, the everyday occurrences that we're stumbling over and trying to fix, but I'm talking about broken, y'all. Y'all know what broken is. And so we're looking at, after you become aware of that, the ambivalence that shows up, and then you have to ask yourself, because we're so good at looking at other people's stuff, and we say, I would, if that was me, I wouldn't stay in that relationship, or um, it's so easy to get another job, just get another job, or do this, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, and we're, we see clearest when it's someone else's circumstance, but I wanted you to think about this, and be kind to yourself, and don't beat yourself up, and for goodness sake, don't beat other people up because we're just bringing awareness and we're not shaming and blaming. People stay, settle for broken and not better because of the denial one. Because you cannot heal what you won't deal with. If you won't feel it, you can't heal it. And so that's what the awareness is about. But even when you come into awareness, there's there's generally four reasons why uh, people settle. And one is lazy. I said it, lazy. We deal in, in, in an environment where people don't like hard work. People don't like to be uncomfortable. And in our defense, <clears throat> yours and mine, our brain is set up to protect us from pain, which is logical. So when things seem difficult, our brain will send signals like, this is too much. This, Hey, do you know this is painful? Are we supposed to be doing this? And so you have to know that when that those signals come up, it's not permission to abandon, to abort the mission, but it's just your brain's way of letting you know you're in, you're in, um, a tuggle. You're in. You're in conflict. There's. There's. There's some resistance. This is hard. So resistance is not permission to quit. But if you're lazy, and you don't want to work, and you don't want to do anything, um, that that becomes an issue of why you settle for brokenness. People are lazy, and in order to get out of laziness, you have to move. A body in motion stays in motion. You're not going to go from zero to 100, but you get to go from zero to one. And I think that's beautiful because to go to zero to 100 and you're lazy and you've just been uh, dormant, that would shock your body. So just small steps. There's a saying, a journey of a thousand miles begin with a step, with a step. But if you're lazy then you are already defeated in your mind and you think about, I need to do this, I need to do that, but you know, I'm tired, you know, um, no, never mind, I'm worn out in my mind, you have no energy, you just, because when you don't move, the law of entropy happens, your muscles don't work, your creativity doesn't work, so everything is just like dead and dying. And so another, and, and you don't have a strong work ethic and you don't have, you haven't built persistence. You haven't built diligence. Diligence is built. Persistence is built by repetitive motion. And so you're entitled. That's another thing that makes you lazy. 
because you don't want to work because you feel like I should, I deserve, I deserve, and you know, I deserve someone to fix it. I deserve God to fix it. I deserve my children to fix it. I had them for goodness sakes. They owe me. I expect my husband to fix it. He said he wanted to marry me and take care of me. I expect my pastor to fix it. He's got this contact with God. You know, I expect the government to fix it and give me money and give me free housing, free money, free phones, free everything. I just don't expect me to do it. So people stay stuck in brokenness because they're lazy. Some people are just lazy and they don't have a work ethic and they have in their mind, um, they want to be romantically rescued. Kind of like the man at the pool in the Bible when Jesus said, do you want to be whole? And he said, well, I have no one to put me in. So he wasn't even saying, I tried to get in, but I couldn't. He was saying, my deliverance in my life depends on other people. If that is you, you're going to stay broken. But Jesus confronted him and said, all you need is me and I can help you. And he gave him the assignment to rise, take up your bed and walk. Those were all things that he had to do. And it was progressively. He didn't tell him to walk immediately. He gave him progressive steps. So that is something to remember and in, in, in the process of transitioning. And we'll talk about that later. Um, but we talked about the laziness. You want the romantic rescue. You're, you're just, you just want fun, 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 fun. You know, you want to play. If you're a guy, you want to stay on Xbox all day. You want to work out. You want to have just do things that bring you pleasure. You want to laugh. You want to feel good. You want to eat. And if that's you, then you don't want to work. Another, the, the second thing that causes people to settle is um, impatience. You know, when I think about the story of in Joshua of Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh, instead of going into the promised land, they settled outside east because they saw that it was good and they were like, okay, we'll just take this. We'll just take this. Almost like they didn't believe God had more to give. So they said, okay, we'll just take this. We'll just take this. And if you're just taking stuff, taking the brokenness and you're impatient and you just want this now, you want this relationship now, this uh, situation now, this job now, then you'll never be in a position to uh, break up with brokenness. So impatience is an enemy to choosing better. Because when you choose better, you have to go for the long haul and know that it's going to take work. It's not going to be immediate. And there's going to be um, a time lapse, lapse between me and the life that I'm supposed to have but I'm willing to do the work. So impatience is a default. You'll, you'll be knocked out. Impatience will DQ you and you will be disqualified. Low self-value. If you don't feel like you're worth it, remember we talked about that last week, about what you inherited and your worth. You can get stuck because you feel like, who am I to want better? My mom lived like this. My dad lived like this. My church lives like this. My you know People in my socioeconomic Sphere of influence, live like this. So how dare you have the audacity to want more? So you reduce yourself to what other people say you are and who you are, and you never value yourself as a, a child of God, a, a, a prince in a kingdom, a joint heir, and you, re, you reduce yourself. And so if you're reducing yourself, then you will think, I, I this is all I deserve. I deserve to catch the bus. I deserve to always have a used car. I deserve to always rent. I deserve to always be in a relationship where I'm being abused or 
um, I'm not being loved and or I'm being used sexually and 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 I'm being used um, as Mother Lewis said and I'm gonna say it, ladies, or I'm a cover girl. Like I, I'm with somebody who really doesn't like women, but this is all I can get. I just want a piece of man. Don't be a cover girl, as Mother Lewis said, and don't be someone who gives away your body for free and uh, because you feel like this is all the attention I'm going to get. This is all I deserve. Know your value, and then you can you can strive. <clears throat> Excuse me. You can strive for for better. And and remember, you have permission to break away from. <clears throat> excuse me, the family status and the family quo, and you get to want more. So you get to uh, align yourself with who God says you are, not who people say you're not, not the messages of you're not worthy, you're not good enough, your family has always been like this. This is, you know, godliness with contentment is great gain, just be happy. And that's true, you should be thankful, but sometimes that scripture has restricted people and cause them not to go after the things that God has for them. So it's very important that we look at that as something that keeps you. Um, you know, if you've been neglected and sexually abused, that messes with your value, and then you don't feel um, that you're that you have worth because somebody has devalued you sexually, physically, or by neglecting you. Sometimes your shame and your sin of your past will make you feel like you know I don't deserve to have more. I don't deserve to be in the running for more because look what I did. But if God can forgive Adam and Eve who introduced every sin to the world, he can forgive us and he has forgiven us. So we have to remember that. But if you're stuck in shame, then you will you will feel like you're getting what you deserve. If you're not getting that much, it's because you don't think much of yourself. So the fourth is... Um, the fourth is comfort and fear. Comfort and fear. Like I said, you get comfortable. You get familiar with dysfunction, and um, you you don't like to. You don't want to even think about leaving because you can't predict the new form of living. And you're although it's dysfunctional, you know the routine. People get caught up in routine, and their brain likes routine because it. Even though it is unhealthy, you know what to expect. Some people can't rest in peaceful environments because it's new. New is abnormal. Peace is abnormal. So comfort becomes um, a, a distraction and it becomes something that holds you into the dysfunction because you no longer can control it, but you have to live by faith. You have to be, allow yourself to uh, move in a different way and um and to try things. If you're a perfectionist and if you're you're afraid of failing and not doing it right, you'd rather have mediocrity and you'd rather have good in place of great because at least you're doing good and you don't want to fail because you feel so bad already. You feel inadequate already. So you don't want to put yourself in a position to fail. And so you just won't even try. And this is why people don't go on to greater and have a difficult time um, adjusting and making decisions to change, and they rest in um, settling. This is what will cause you to settle. Misinformation causes you to settle right under, you know, you kind of just accept the the dysfunctional thinking and the paradigms, and you're, you're just, 
You don't know that you deserve more. You haven't seen more and you haven't been geared to expect more. You just feel like to expect more is to to show that you're not sad, that you're not appreciative. You can be appreciative and want more because God is a big God and he allows us to evolve. We, We go from faith to faith and he is a God of richness and he is a God of plenty. And so if he is a God of plenty and we're and we're his children, he desires to share that with us. So as we mature and as we do the work that we need to do of faithfulness, then God's able to endow more upon us. He wants to endow more upon us. And the scriptures tell us that if we're not mature, he won't do it. But when we become mature and obedient, then he wants to give us more and more. So there's nothing wrong with uh, having more. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, serving a big God who gives big gifts. A big God gives big gifts and great provision. And it's okay for us to have that information. But if you don't know that and you're misinformed and you're afraid and you're comfortable, then you'll never um, move into that. So in the process of of deciding, you know, I used to say choosing until I heard Dr. Myron Golden. He talked about the difference between choosing and deciding because I'm like choice, choice, choice. God does give choice. Choice means to pick. Decide means to actually move in the direction of your choice. It means to cut away everything else and move with and have one thing that you want and hold that one thing and make every decision to keep that one thing or to obtain that one thing. It's just one road. You've made the decision. You're no longer looking. And remember, ambivalence is where you have two decisions. Should I change or should I not change? Making a decision entails you have removed one of the roads and now you just have the one thing before you. You have made your selection. So it's picking, sticking to, cutting off the other options. And sometimes that uh, that picking and choosing has to do with cutting people off, cutting, making a choice for more. And when you make a choice for more, people will fall off, you know, things, you know, when you decide I want to eat healthy, now you're picking and you've decided health. So you're picking healthy things. You're picking working out over sleeping. You're picking education because you want more information so that you can put yourself in a position for a better job. You're picking um, to be around uh, an environment spiritually that um, give you more information that support the you you want to be. That all has to do um, with picking. All has to do with, with picking. But with ambivalence, the challenge is Um, that you want to change, but you want to stay the same. Procrastination, as uh, Dr. Golden talks about, is is just anxiety. It It means anxiety and a lack of motivation. If you are procrastinating and making your decision, that means there's anxiety. So you have before you anxiety that I'm afraid to move forward. I'm afraid to choose something else. And then when you, so I I don't want to change. And then you have, I want to change, the motivation to change. But sometimes the motivation is not strong enough. So if the motivation doesn't outweigh the anxiety, if the reward doesn't outweigh what might happen, then you're going to stay in the valley of no change. And you're going to stay in ambivalence. 
And so the anxiety of the change, we talked about that, fear, fear, discomfort, um, you know, misinformation of what might happen to me, that is what is causing you to be stagnant. You have to get to the point, if you want to move and break up with uh, dysfunction and brokenness, you have to say, why do I want to make this change? You have to be so clear about this because your anxiety and uncertainty is coming for you. So you're going to have to be strong and you're going to have to really think about the positive of why you want to change. I want to change because I want to be healthy. That's positive. And then the, and then the negative like reasons for your change is I I don't want I want to change because I don't want to die prematurely. I want to change because I don't want to have a stroke or a heart attack. Um, I want to change uh, my diet because, you know, I want to see my grandkids or I want to get married. I want to be healthy. I want to be able to have children. So until that desire is identified and magnified, you will never have the motivation to outweigh the fear because let's just face it, it's difficult making a change. We see it with the children of Israel. They struggle. They struggled. The wilderness was all about the ambivalence. I want the promised land but I want Egypt. I want comfort, but I want the promised land. Some of you, you want change. You want more finances. You want a better marriage. You want a better relationship. You want, you know, health, but I want to do what I want to do. And you can't have both. So you're either going to choose to stay the same, or you're going to decide to stay the same, or you're going to be motivated to move. It takes motivation to move and it takes anxiety to stay. Anxiety keeps you in the fight or flight and freeze. Freeze. So anxiety, I want you, when you think about anxiety and in the in the form of ambivalence and change as being frozen, being stuck, you know, just being petrified. But I want you to see change as being, uh, having movement, having motivation and, and having a strong why. So if you're not moving, you need to pump up your why your, your, your whys, the negative, what will happen if you don't change and what will happen if you do change. Pump up your whys. Sometimes we spend a lot of time, you know, with our, but I'm afraid and, you know, I got to reduce, you know, my, my fear of this. The only way to reduce the anxiety is to increase the reward. Esther said it like this because she could have died. We know she went in to see the king and she was like, if I see the king, if I go in without an invitation, I can die. But if I don't go in, I'm going to die. So she had to look at what the what reward and what was worth it. She was like, if I go in and it works, I can live. My people can live, you know? And so that's the greater. And if I don't go in, then everyone's going to perish for sure because there's a, a, a mandate to kill all the Jewish people. So her motivation pushed past her fear. Motivation is the only thing that can press the gas on fear. Okay, and so if you're waiting to just psychoanalyze your uncertainties and to stroke your uncertainties, that's not going to happen. You have to move into the motivation and your whys. Whys, motivation is the only thing that causes the breakup, the real breakup, the breakup between you and brokenness. So we see that. Um, We define both whys. Write it down, you all. The negatives, like what will happen? If I change, what will happen if I don't change? What am I afraid of? You get to do both. And then you get to, you know, you get to uh, consider 
But when this, be, when when the motivation becomes strong enough, fear won't have a chance. You, fear won't fear won't stand a chance. It will just propel you into your future. And sometimes after you decide, when you work out the work through the ambivalence, it comes to the point where now it's like, uh, do I trust me? Do I have the skills that I need? And sometimes you don't. You may have to go to school. You may have to find a mentor. You may have to pray. You may have to do a lot of things to get the resources you need so that you can have capacity. Because sometimes people don't move and break up because they don't feel like they're good enough or they don't have the technical skills and they don't trust themselves. If you lie to yourself and you're not consistent, you won't trust yourself. And the only way to, to build trust with yourself is to keep your word is to follow through and have goals that are achievable so that you you just will stop lying to yourself. It's If you're going to break up with dysfunction, one of the dysfunctions is lying to yourself. You have to stop lying to yourself. Stop lying to yourself so that you can build trust and then that builds more motivation and that builds more confidence that I can break up with brokenness. I can have a life. I, I can help myself have a life of, of, of change. And so one of the most beautiful things is, is realizing that you get to decide or you can stay in ambivalence or you can stay in a position where, you know, I want to change. I don't want to change. I want to change. I don't want to change. And while you're playing this ping pong, you're not changing. Life is going by and you're not, be, you're not uh, taking hold of the life that God died for you to have, which is... Um, very unfortunate. So in this session, I want you to really uh, journal and contemplate what do I want to change? What, what, hap what, what is my why? Negative and positive. What will happen if I, I change? What will happen if I don't change? You can even look at your fears. But remember on your list, until you desire change as much as you desire your necessary breath, you're not going to move. We are only moved by motivation, motivation of being evicted, motivation of uh, not going to jail. All of those things, motivation of going to heaven, those things are our motivation. So you don't have an anxiety problem. You have a motivation problem. When your why becomes strong enough, you won't stand in the valley of ambivalence, but you will be willing to change. This has been our ambivalence session and why people change, don't change. And I hope that it blesses you and I hope that it encourages you to change. God bless you.